Hello, and welcome to the Silicon Alley podcast. Super excited you could join me today. I'm William Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich, and of course, your host of the Silicon Alley podcast. And today, I am sitting down with Aaron Frug, the CEO and co-founder of Griffin, which is a mobile app that allows you to buy stock where you shop. Aaron dives deep into his own struggles with shifting his perception around money, getting comfortable asking investors for very large check sizes, and how to improve your own feelings towards money. A little background on Aaron. Aaron Frug is the co-founder and CEO of Griffin. He graduated from the University of Florida with a BSBA and a focus on behavioral economics. Prior to product launch, Aaron raised $2 million from angel investors for his company, Griffin, and placed first in multiple competitions, including Startup of the Year People's Choice Award and Draper Demo Day. Aaron has been a notable speaker for multiple nationwide conferences, conferences including Startup Week, Rethinking Innovation, 161, C3, Columbia University, and more. Griffin is the only app that allows you to buy stock where you shop, and it was built to help people invest safely for the first time in a new and fun way. It's now available on the Apple App Store. For those tuning in for the first time, on the Silicon Alley podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs and top performers to understand what it truly takes to grow and scale a business. You'll get actionable advice that you can apply in your own business and life. If you've not already, please make sure to pound that subscribe button and follow the Silicon Alley podcast to get notified when episodes drop every Friday. And of course, if you hear something that you like, please be sure to share the podcast with others on social media, text, DM, email, or however you prefer. It helps the podcast grow and share these amazing stories like Aaron's. You got no time to waste, but still you hesitate. Caught in a circle saying I'll never leave this Aaron, welcome to the Silicon Alley podcast. Super excited to have you on today. I hope you enjoy the the woods <laughs> that we're in right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I want I wanted to say I appreciate you because out of every podcast that I've been on, you are the absolute most organized. And the fact that you actually sent like meaningful documentation beforehand and examples and things for me to like learn and understand, it's actually like it was nice. It was nice to feel prepared and that it's like you have your act together. So thank well, you cool. for doing I, that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hopefully that's a lesson for any other podcasters, you know, send over notes or prep and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's also just showing care. I think it's like, it's, it feels like you appreciate the people that are on the podcast and that you actually want them to feel prepared. And that like, I don't know, it was just, it's, it's nice. The extra thought process and the extra effort that most people don't do. So I just, I wanted to make sure that I highlighted you for doing that. Well, so. yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it, it, it makes sense, right? Like I want you to, I want to have a really good conversation. If I don't prep you, then we could be right. talking about butterflies and sugar plums. And I don't know if you're an expert on that. Right. So <laughs> I could make something up. I could do my best on that though. But, so. but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to sit down and talk a little bit about Griffin and your story and dive into that. But I kind of want to give a little context to the audience before we jump in. So, um, sure. yeah, we've, I guess we've known each other now for what it's been a year and a half, at least, I guess at this point, probably. Um, it's weird to think because it feels like we just met, but I think because of COVID and the whole pandemic, like to, how weird is it to feel that like 2020 is now last year, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know why it was like the longest year ever. Uh, it just feels like a totally different world now. So oh, yeah, we met in what, 2019? 
yeah, I think like the end of end of 2019, like maybe September, August or September, maybe something like that. Yeah. So we got the coffee. Yeah, yeah, Was exactly. I coffee with the with the coffee cubes. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that actually starting ostrich. Yeah, I was just starting out and wanted to talk to you because you've had some experience with Griffin. I think it had been, what, a couple years at least. And what I think is really interesting, and I love to start the podcast here, is that you uh, yeah. you had actually been out the night before with investors. They'd gone out to, to some club. You guys were up late. And you're like, it was crazy sitting there with people that are just like throwing around like a ton of money. And like, I'm looking at my bank account and I've got like $10 in the bank account right now and like trying to to go through that. And I thought that was a really great sort of analogy for a lot of entrepreneurs starting out and uh, right. just a really interesting way to start the podcast. So actually, I, that that's a... So I, I was fortunate enough that I had some mentors talk to me about this. But it's actually an interesting perception on money and asking money from, you know, investors, because for example, me, I, I, at that point I was rocking what like fourteen dollars in my bank account, right? And so just even the fact of a thousand dollars was so much money to me, and it it was such a amazing amount to think that somebody would write us a twenty five thousand dollar check, is I was like thank you to shift the perception that my feeling about money might not necessarily be the person's feeling about money that I'm getting investments from. And so $25,000 might not be anything to them. And so it's just, it's, I think it's a reminder sometimes to like entrepreneurs or anybody who's raising money that always, it's like, always be grateful, know how much the value of that money is, know what it is, but like, I think for myself, I was feeling that I was taking so much from them instead of saying, you know, maybe this really isn't that much. Maybe I could ask for more. I'm creating, it's an investment, right? Like I know that we're going to be a really successful company. So I'm a great place for that money to be. And it's almost like it was interesting because it was the first time we received checks. I just felt guilty. Um, And it's, it, it's, it shouldn't be that way. It should be a, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what I'm going to say. No, that's, it's, it's really interesting. And I, and I think it, it dives into, I mean, just some of the things that we talked about on the podcast, like relationship with money and sort of those things. And obviously Griffin, which I want you to give context for what Griffin is here in a second for those that yeah. aren't familiar. Um, but yeah, like realizing that your relationship with money is not the same as everyone else's. Right. And right it evolves, it adapts from the time when you're a kid to, you know, whenever you retire and all that kind of stuff, there's just a progression, right? There's times where you have more of it, times where you have none of it. Um, And it's just, it's just really interesting that you brought that up. So how did you, how did you start to make that shift? Right. How did you go from like, man, I'm feeling guilty to like, we are worth the money and why aren't you writing a bigger check? (laughs) I think it had to be a, shift internally of believing more in myself. Okay. Um, and I, I think it's, it's something along, like, I, I believe that when it comes to startups, we know how to build the right products and we know how to write, build the right businesses, but sometimes the hardest part is building the right people. And most of the time startups don't fail because they fail, they fail because of success. And so I think it's that fear of success. So it's, it's taking somebody else's money and and using it to to create something. It just became a thing of like the more confidence that I had in myself, the more that I learned about the business and the the more that I knew that like 
what I was going to do with that money, it was that the comfort level changed. I also think it really is just taking the first step. Just accept one check. Just allow somebody to put money in your business. Get comfortable with the idea that you deserve to have an investor and that you're creating something valuable and that you're making this positive change. And it's, it's literally just like writing a paper for the first time. So I think it's just accepting that first check then creates that chain reaction and that confidence to do it repeated. And so now we're, you know, it's, we want to go raise a series A in the next few months. I can't ask for $25,000 checks anymore. <laughs> I would love to, I would love to, but I mean, there's going to be having to ask people to write million dollar checks, $5 million checks, and just know and have that confidence that we're using that to build a team to grow. And it just all, it, it's weird. Cause it all starts here. And it, and it's just remembering that it's, it's beneficial. Like if, Ostrich, for example, you're going to create something unbelievable, right? Like you're going to make a difference for so many people in the finance industry. And so say I'm an investor, me putting my money with you is a good place to put my money because you're a good founder and you're going to create something good. And it just continuously like believing that, that good people deserve to have money because they're going to create good things with it. Yeah. That's just... I don't know. I think you summed that up very time. nicely. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely time. it definitely does, and I can a hundred percent agree with that sentiment of like, why should anyone give us money? Would you know that you've got to get over that kind of mindset, that imposter syndrome type feeling that that you definitely get early on, or maybe not everyone gets it, but I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs conversations that we have, um, you know, have that experience, especially if you're younger or you're in a demographic where maybe there aren't as many female founders or, you know, founders that are minorities, yep. like there's that, that sort of like, am I worth it mentality that you've got to get over? Um, so I really appreciate so, you getting vulnerable. So what, what you're saying too about that, cause this is interesting. Cause I've, I've a lot of friends um, when, when you're like, who were looking to raise and there's, there's definitely a difference in um, opportunities for raising based off of like gender background, you know, and it's, What's interesting, what I'm learning is it, it's kind of hard to explain, but a lot of the times when it's weird to, to think from this point of view, but like when I'm talking about Griffin, I actually intentionally choose to not use the word we, because yeah. the thing is, is that like, if I'm speaking about my company to a potential investor, I'm going to use I statements because the issue is if I use we, so like, you know, and we're going to do this. And we're going to make this change. And we're, we believe that here, the problem with the word we is if I'm speaking with an investor and if they disagree with it, you are already creating a disconnect for the possibility of an investment. And so what I realize is a lot of um, the time I see that it's, it, it's, there's people are trying to make everybody feel like the investors included within the business. The goal is, is not for me to say we, it's for the investor to say we. Because the moment that the investor says we, then they're already saying I'm committed and I'm a part of it. If I'm using I statements, it allows me to effectively communicate what my vision is of the company. And if I use the word we, it's my team, like our team. Yeah. So I wouldn't even use we, it'd be like our team. Um, but you, it, it's almost like wanting to create a disconnect until they create the connection. 
because then otherwise, if there's something that they don't agree with, with the statement that you're making, you're already shutting them off. And so too many founders, I see a lot of the time, try to make it inclusive and part of it and get them excited, which I 100% believe. Um, and I, I think that is really important to have that and to get advice and to have engaged investors, but it's also super detrimental to try to almost prove something or force something instead, just know the value in yourself, um, and, yeah. and, and use that for the relationships. That's really, that's really interesting, Aaron, that, that you bring that up and wanting the investor to buy in and start using we, so you choose, choose not to say it first. Could you, so I want to, I want to make sure the audience knows what Griffin is. So can you give, (laughs) Yes. before we get too far in, I mean, on the front end, there's, you know, I I talk a little bit about your bio and all that stuff, but you know, I want to, I want the audience to know in in, in your words, what Griffin is. So maybe if you could do that, there we go. There's the t-shirt. Um, if you could uh, give like the quick elevator pitch and maybe there's a way that, I don't know if you, if you work in the, here's what we're, or here's what I'm doing and give that example of the I versus we in your explanation of what Griffin is. Okay. So when I, when I, I'm going to talk about Griffin right now, because Griffin would not be here without our team. Um, I'm a very small part of it. And so here I'm going to use we, that's because I'm <laughs> talking about the company and you and I have a different relationship. So, um, but we're Griffin. Griffin stands for the greatest revolution in finance is now. Uh, and we built an app that automatically buys you stock where you shop. So the moment you buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks, it invests $1 in a Starbucks stock, shop on amazon.com, a dollar goes to Amazon. Anything in your life you can own just by being you. The whole purpose was to build something that um, changes the way we feel about investing in money. I think a lot of us deserve to be confident and excited and to know that we are enough. And so we wanted to create something that integrates into people's lives instead of forcing them into an industry they don't understand. So that your moments, your daily spend turns into investments and that your everyday actions is enough. Um, so that's the whole thing of yeah. what we... It's, it's, it's an awesome concept, right? It makes sense, right? If you're supporting businesses, you're shopping in certain places, it means you as a consumer believe in the brand and therefore are probably more likely to want to own stock in that company, right? You're already supporting it. So why not, instead of just being a consumer, also be an owner? Yeah, so that's like, that's, that's the hope. I, I think we want to create a world where there's no such thing as a shareholder and there's no such thing as a customer. Everyone's just an owner. And investing should just be a natural, inherent part of life, just like brushing your teeth, um, where it's just integrated into everything that you do. So that's like, that's our goal. I think I, I, it took us three years, um, but two weeks ago, we finally wrote a manifesto that we like passed around internally <laughs> to the team. And so I, it, it's something that we're kind of using as our front runner of, of what, what we want to be um, now. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, you mentioned that it took three years. Can you talk a little bit about the journey to get to Griffin? Cause it wasn't, it wasn't like, this was like the first idea that you had and boom, Griffin was born and you went out and raised yeah. money and boom, you're here, you're here today with an app. So can you talk a little bit about the journey and kind of that progression to, to get to that manifesto? Yeah. So I'm just going to say, first of all, you're an awesome podcast host too. So you're, <laughs> you're like very, no, like it feels like a conversation. You're very engaging. Um, and it's like, it feels comfortable talking with you. I think sometimes people just create questions and then it's like respond to it. But I, I really appreciate this. Cause I think, I think it's a lot more interesting when it's 
two people just talking. Um, so well, thank you. What, what is our story? <laughs> so we, I'll try to, I'll try to do the very sh- short version at the beginning. Um, but I'll just get a little bit of background. I grew up in Sarasota, Florida. So my parents ran dental practices. So that was basically beaten into me as a child. So I was going to be a dentist. That's all I ever knew. Um, when I grew up, I realized I kind of like to break things. So I like to break systems and find better ways to do it. Uh, don't judge me on this, but the story that I, I always tell is when, when I was nine years old, we found a way to unlock the fast pass machines at Disney world. And we started printing out a bunch of tickets and we would just hand them out to families because we cared more about doing that than actually riding on the rides itself. So I was nine at the time and my sister was 12. Um, and so that was like throughout my life. I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there was always a better way to do something. And I ended up going to college, um, U- university of Florida. I started off like pre-med pre-dental. So I'm a type one diabetic. I also, it, it's the one thing in life that actually taught me to take care of myself. So I feel very, very fortunate for that. Um, and as weird as that sounds. And so I was either going to do pre-med. So work with the endocrine system, kids with diabetes or in, or a dentist. And I ended up working in a biomedical science lab um, with blood and every day I would pass out. So I remember I, I sat in a car outside of a McDonald's. I called my dad on the phone. I was like, look, man, I love you. I appreciate everything that you've ever done. Uh, but I can't, I can't do this. I can't look at blood. I can't work in this way. And so I ended up switching my major four times until I finally ended on economics and I was focused on behavioral economics. So I love the idea of how people think in psychology within business and why we do what we do. And I ended up finding out about wealth management. Um, and so throughout that time, I, I paid some of like my like fun throughout college by buying and selling chubby shorts. Uh, I don't know if you know of chubby shorts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like shorts for guys, I sold so much of them that chubby sent me a cease and desist letter. And so I just stopped doing that. Um, but then ended up finding out like, there was a way to like, yeah, how'd you, where, where did that come from? So, so it was interesting because when Chubby's, so Chubby's did the clubhouse thing, as weird as it sounds, they like, they started off by selling limited shorts that sold out immediately where people were starting to create bots to buy because you would mm-hmm. buy $50 a pair of Chubby shorts and they would sell on eBay for 140 bucks. Gotcha. Okay. And so I started doing that and I started flipping them. Um, and, and then after that, I, I kind of, once I got the letter, I was like, okay, I should probably not do that. And I, I started buying and selling Le'Veon diamonds. Um, and then, and then I, I started uh, buying and selling designer clothes. Um, and so it kind of like paid some of my way throughout college. My co one of my co-founders, he was actually like one of, he sold so many fidget spinners that I think he made more money on fidget spinners than I did buying and selling like clothes. Um, and that was just at the time, but <laughs> that has nothing to do with the Griffin story. So I, I said, I would make it short. I ended up finding out about wealth management and I worked in an industry where I was sitting next to a financial advisor who was, I, I was an intern um, and he was making about $350,000 a year. And he looked over at me and he smiled and he said, what, what's, what's the language rules on this podcast? You're good. It's free. He, Whatever said, you look how much fucking, he said, look how much fucking money I'm about to make. And this woman walks in with manila envelope and she's holding all these files. 
And she says, this is everything I've ever worked for. Um, she was like in her mid thirties. She was like, I've never invested before. I don't know where to start, but like, this is everything I've saved up for me and my family. He looks over at her. He smiles, puts his hand on her shoulder, says, don't worry, I'll take care of you. I watch him put the same information in a computer that he did for five other people. He basically invests in a target date funds, sends it off to analysts in Chicago and then makes one and a half percent on her money. And I sat there and I was like, that's super, super shitty. Um, the fact is, is like, we work so much for everything. Money is the one thing that unfortunately in a way connects all of us, but we don't, don't talk about it. And there's just gotta be something better. People deserve better. We need to have confidence in it. And it's sad because only like five states require financial literacy courses. A majority of us don't learn it and when we build our relationship with money, it starts at the age of 16. So if a majority of the people who are investing still, even across all other investing platforms, it's still the 32 year old white male with a $60,000 salary, where does that leave everyone else? Um, and how do we get them started earlier? So I ended up going back to, the, to, to UF. I picked up a double minor in real estate and entrepreneurship. And I met my first co-founder who was already working on an idea that's kind of like public. Um, it was called Market Champs. It was okay. basically an open community of traders who would follow one another and invest based on the decision. So let's say you're like an unbelievable investor. I'm following you. The moment you buy Apple stock, it sends me a notification and then I just buy Apple stock because of it. Yeah. And so it's like we, it's, we follow smart money. So I asked him if I could play devil's advocate. And at the time I was in the background, um, going back and forth with my mom. And so she's like unbelievable, brilliant mind. And she, and she was pitching ideas with me back and forth and we were talking about it. And he ends up bringing me onto the team. And throughout that time, we com I completely was like, play devil's advocate. We tore the idea apart. We tried to work on it a few months. We realized it didn't work. We had a teacher tell us, quote unquote, we were trying to get an overweight person to eat a salad. And this teacher was the intro to entrepreneurship teacher who one never started a business in his life. So anytime you get negative advice or anybody who's listening to this, like use it as fuel or just know that, you know, if somebody doesn't like something, then you're doing something right. And so we just kept changing our idea around. We were like, how can we get younger people to invest and save? We try to do something on the financial advisory space. We try to just get people to invest in music festivals. Like we had so many ideas. I think one of them was actually even illegal. Um, I should probably say what it is before I just make that comment. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, like DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah. How you can like sport betting. So we wanted to, we wanted to bring that into the stock market. And so we basically where it said like you and I would bet, oh, I think Apple will go up 1%. We put in $5 and then whatever happens at the end of the day, whoever wins, wins. And that was like our idea. Um, but it turns out that you actually can't bet on the overall economy due to the liquidity crisis unless you own it. So when you're looking at shorting yeah. and you're looking at options and basically betting against the overall economy, you're allowed to do it if, if there is ownership assigned to it. But if you're just betting on it outside of it, it's illegal, which okay. is interesting to learn. Yeah. Um, Didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Basically, long story short, we ended up interviewing a bunch of students. And we asked them, why don't you invest and save? And it was the three main reasons. I don't have enough money. It's not made for me and I don't get it. 
Um, and what we realized is that every single student said, I know I should invest. Mm-hmm. It was a thought process and understanding of, I know I should do this, but for some odd reason, there was a behavioral restriction that stopped people from doing it. Yeah. And so we started doing research on it. And the problem was, is the industry kept saying two things, either we're going to hold your hand and do it for you, or you have to become an investor, do the research yourself and figure out how to make that decision. And we were like, how can we just actually create something that makes people feel that they're good enough and that they can do it and they don't have to worry about learning. And you almost just learn through action. Um, And so like my mom used to tell me over and over again, when I was younger, don't put your hand on the stove. But the only way to really learn is by putting your hand on the stove. So somebody can tell you as much as you can to research stocks and to learn about it and to, but yeah. I think it's just like giving somebody the confidence to just start. I it's, it's what our hope was. And so there was a lot of different moments that defined Griffin. But one of the biggest ones we said was when my sister and I were at a Starbucks and the guys that'll like, be $12 for two cups of coffee. And she looks back and laughs and says, I should really own stock for how much I shop here. <laughs> we were like, what? Why can't we do that? I mean, we ended up going into the last semester of college. Um, we had another co-founder at the time who we actually ended up having to have an honest conversation with because, and no longer became a part of the business. Uh, we won a, the Davler pitch competition at USF, which was cool. Our, our company name was change at the time. One of the biggest advice I can give to any founder, don't buy merch at the very beginning. Don't buy t-shirts. Don't pay for anything. Don't try to force creating a logo. Like our, our name changed so many times. Originally we were interest investments and then we became, I mean, we were change and then we were interest investments and then we were interest and then we were Beanstalk. And then Mr. Wonderful started a company called Beanstalks when we created Beanstalk <laughs> and then no longer used Beanstalk. And then I met Mr. Wonderful. And I said, you stole our business name. And he laughed and we got his information, but never did anything with that. And then, uh, and then finally, like where Griffin came from is it had nothing to do with us trying to force a name. I remember us crying on the floor, literally using name generators, trying to figure out how to <laughs> name ourselves. Yeah. And imagine if we just bought merch every single time for the new business name that we created. Um, that is, Ed. So it wasn't, it wasn't an overnight thing is what I'm getting, is what I'm getting at. It was it didn't just lightning didn't it strike really the first wasn't. time. <laughs> No, I mean, and so I, maybe, maybe that's, that's the way that I can like kind of wrap this up really quickly. We ended up graduating. We both had job offers. Um, we spent three months working every single day, night and day. We used to go into the, the graduate school building in the, in the accounting school. And they had these huge whiteboards and every day we would write on the whiteboards. We used to call up different law firms and ask for free consulting services just so that we could get free legal help. And we would just call different ones. And we finally just quit our jobs and we were like, look, this is something that we want to do. It's something that we want to pursue. Um, and it, we, we did the whole maxing out our credit cards things, which is probably not the best idea. And fortunately enough, just by working and building relationships with people throughout this entire process, we were able to find investors. Um, three, three years later, it took us a ton of time to work with the SEC, with lawyers that were $1,500 an hour lawyers that said, there's no legal precedent to what you're doing. It will never happen. Um, you, this won't work. So when somebody tells you, no, you just keep going. So we had to work directly with the SEC. I'm fortunate for my team for the hundreds of pages of compliance documents. We had four failed brokerage contracts that didn't work. 
there were so many low moments and so much having to learn and change and understand. And, um, but we, we, there were so many high moments too. And so I think it's just like, it's, it's a very long process and so many different things that happened. Um, it, you know, we, we've won like the cool awards and things like that. It would love to pat ourselves on the back and talk about that. But I just think it's, it's a, you yeah. just got to keep learning. You what kept you going? What kept you going through those low moments, right? Because I mean, that's that's the thing with entrepreneurship, right? It's really high highs, really low lows. How how do you manage that? How have you been able to manage that, Aaron? It's having a good circle. One. So I think it's it's finding good people. You know, when they say like whoever your closest friends are is the de- definition of who you are, almost in a way, which is probably not a good term, but like it's it's a <laughs> It's, it's two things that I learned. The lowest lows were always followed by the highest highs. And so I think a majority of the time, the businesses that fails and startups that fail is they hit those low moments. And that low moment is intentional. That low moment either means I was doing something that was not appropriate or healthy for myself or our business mm-hmm. to there was something that I had to learn. So when you hit those low moments, usually it's that learning, it's that shift, it's that different perception. Um, it's, it's that new opportunity that's just waiting to happen. And also I think it's just a, it's one, it's making sure that it's like, it's working on mental health. It's always having somebody to talk to. It's always being willing to understand and remember that, that it, that, that right thing, what's supposed to happen will come next, that highest high will follow next. And I think it's also that if if you're doing it for the right reasons and you truly believe in what you're creating and why you're doing it, you're willing to push through those low moments. Sometimes it's really hard. And so that's why it's having a reminder of why and having those good people. And, and one of the biggest things I learned too, paying it forward is a real thing. People giving free advice is a real thing. Too many times I see founders giving up, 5% 5% of their business for an advisor, because hopefully that creates some sort of signal that they're doing the right thing or a like good people had good people help them. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to give up your business for that. And it's unless like that person is hands on going crazy, helping you and you want to like officially bring them in as an advisor. I just, I see too many, too many founders get hurt because it's, it's sometimes it's, it's also that validation yeah. externally because I was looking for it too. I kept wanting to bring advisors in all of the time because I, I couldn't accept the fact that somebody was just willing to help us. Um, and luckily I had, had Robin, our, our co-founder who continuously told us like, you are good founders. You are working hard. Like we can do this. Like we are, I don't know. It's and it's like, be willing to accept kindness. Yeah. And if there is people who are just looking to make it transactional, they're probably not the right person for you. No, I think that's, I think that's great advice, Aaron. And uh, I think that's another thing that really defines when you break into, especially when it comes to, to tech and um, like, you know, Silicon Valley kind of started this, but there's, there is this kind of give first mentality, which Brad Feld and some of the other VCs tech stars kind of talks about where like 
pay it forward, give advice, give free advice, because you never know what connection, what conversation could lead to something now or, you know, five, 10, 20 years in the future. Um, right. And like, no one gets there by themselves. I think that's a really great point that you made that, you know, go ask for free advice, go have a conversation, go call a law firm and say, hey, will you help us? This is what we're doing. And we're scrappy. We're trying to change the way things are done. And if you find the right. right law firm or people that are interested in this stuff too and aligned mission wise, like, of course, they're going to help. Of course, they're going to want to contribute. So, and it's even that point too, like, look where you and I are at now, right? Like, did we, did we look for anything from each other? Was there any, you were building something amazing and you're looking for advice and you were looking for help and we had a conversation and we became friends out of it. Right. Like imagine like just the fact that like the fact that I could give advice that I feel and hope was helpful, but like out of that, we (laughs) built a relationship. Yeah. Right. And so now I, now I have just another person. And then when you and I were in the clubhouse room together and we can like hype each other up, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's so much more than just money, but like, I think that's the whole reason why is there is so much more than just money but money sucks so much for people. And so like, how can we make that a little bit better? Like, how can we be a part of like, if we can have somebody not focused about investing or not focused about saving and just be like, it's just part of me. It's a part of my life. I'm doing it. I'm taking care of myself and then go enjoy life. Our like, our like mission statement was to make life about living. If we could take away stressors here and focus it there. And, but like, that's what you're doing with ostrich too. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason why we connect so well is that we, you know, different paths, we different products, things like that, but we're aligned in terms of the overall mission and vision of where we want society to be in the future, right? Less stress, people having more equality, right? Anyone can invest and grow and not get like left out of the stock market. Yep. Like there's a, I've been reading some interesting things around the definition that we use for inflation. It's based off of consumer consumables, right? Consumer price index. But if you actually factored in the stock market and how much that's gone up since 1970 versus just looking at the cost of consumables, you see where the real inflation has been in the economy. And that's why when we look at inequality, the, the wealthy have, the, the inequality has gotten to such a high level that we haven't seen in a hundred years, over a hundred years in the United States. And it's because right. inflation has shifted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it made the world's richest people a trillion dollar richer over the past year. So, I mean, that's like, it's, it's, so how can we get people in the stock market? But yeah. like in, in a healthy, in a healthy way, in a safer way, in a, a more secure way. Um, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, so what are your thoughts on that? Like when you think about, uh, you kind of touched on it, but when you think about like, what are the biggest challenges that face everyday people when it comes to finances? Like, how would you, how would you summarize that? What do you think that is? It feels like the finance industry is not built for people who don't have money. Um, it feels like that the banks make money off of overdrafting fees. Like someone who's wealthier won't have overdrafting fees. The credit card companies make money off interest payments that people can't pay off. Like the people who are wealthy use credit cards because you can make money using credit cards. Like you can actually do well off of it. So, and even what we realize with the app, we're doing everything that we can to help prevent overdrafts. Um, but like it's, we get charged double-sided for it. The banks not only charge us, but they charge the user. 
And it's a huge amount of money for something that because it takes T plus four days for settlement to occur, which with the greatest financial technology industry country, but it takes us four days to settle a payment. That's crazy. That shouldn't happen. Um, so I think, I think what happens is that like, it's very hard to build wealth when it comes to just salary. Um, and I think a lot of people work to live. And so it's, it's having to pay that next payment. It's having to pay the next bill. It's having to make sure you feed your family to not lose your job, to work extremely hard. And, and think about like the, the mental stress, the emotional stress, the, what finances cause. And the problem is, is the majority of us don't talk about money. We don't talk about the struggles, what we go through, you know, how much, like I, I used to go in and I would ask people what their salaries were, who we were raising money from just because I knew it would piss them off because we don't talk about it. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, because it's, it's such a muddy thing. And so it's like, if we can shift that stressor, I mean, people say that like 40% of financials, like of, of work um, limitation is created by financial stress. So people are like thinking about money when they're at work. Like, it, like, can I afford this walking into a restaurant and knowing if you can buy a meal? Like, so our whole thing is like, how can we create it where let's be realistic. I think too many places say like, stop spending money on everything and just start investing it all. No, that's not, sorry. It's not fucking realistic. So like, how can we create it where we say to people like, we, we know you're like, life is life. We're going to spend money. We're going to do it. But at least if you're spending money, take care of yourself, pay yourself. Like if you're paying somebody else, at least pay yourself. And so our whole concept is like, one purchase equals $1 put away, right? So it's yeah. every time that you spend something, you're putting something away. And yeah. I, if we can just help people feel better about finances, I think it's just such a and shift and have a more positive relationship with it and feel good about it, then maybe they can feel good about other things in life. Um, I, just, I just think it sucks. I think people deserve better. I'm, I'm very fortunate for technology. Technology is changing access. But I yep. still think that there's, we have a long way to go, a long way. Oh, so. for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't so, think so. Sorry, but you were okay. talking about inflation. Inflation is also relative, which I didn't. I never thought about to the rest of the world, because even if the 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 price of our dollar like keeps changing because it's it's you know it raises three percent every single year, if the U.S. dollar continues to get stronger proportion to the rest of the world, that price change isn't necessarily as impactful. So if you can invest money Mm -hmm. and like, even that's been, I mean, I'm just hopeful. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. I get excited. No, no, no. That's what, that's that's what this is. Right. So that's, that's the, this podcast is about entrepreneurship and it's also about personal finance. So, you know, Griffin, Griffin fits right in there and, you know, Aaron, uh, you know, you mentioned that people don't talk about money and finance. Let's love to get a little bit vulnerable and hear, hear a little bit about um, some of the best invest, like what's the best investment that you've made. So we'll start with the good. Well, what's the, uh, like, what's the best investment that you've made? Oh, I was going to be cheesy. I was going to say it myself, but I, I think that's just because it's like the more that I believe in myself and the more that I trust my intuition, the more better decisions that I can make. So I, I think a lot of the times that when it comes to investing, even in like stocks in general, emotion causes us to um, do things that we may have not done originally. Yeah. 
And so I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think from like a, a stock point of view, is that what you're asking what the best investment that I made is? So there's no, or, there's your, your answer is your answer, right? So it doesn't have to be stock related. And, and so I think that was really- I made. The best investment I made is quitting my job that I had out of college, cutting my salary by 80% and living off of ramen noodles for another few years to, to start this and to create this. I think, I think having the people and the ability to finally feel the confidence that I can create something and do something and build something um, and creating potential future wealth that way, I don't have it yet. Don't get <laughs> um, soon, hopefully but, soon. Yeah. So, but With the way um, Griffin's going right now, I have no doubt that it'll be it'll be a quick rise. So, fingers crossed. Uh, can you can you just because I'm trying to think of a stock? Can you say what what you believe your best investment was? So mine. I'll, 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 yeah, I mean, so well, I actually think of mine as investing in someone else. So um, I had a, a a situation where like a loved one got into some trouble. Um, it was just one of those things that happened. Yeah. And the only thing that would solve it was money. And it was actually after I'd quit my job, was working on ostrich and I'd set aside, you know, 50,000 plus just for ostrich, not just living expenses from savings. And I invested that, I gave that away right away. And that changed how we had to build the company, right? Because now capital that we were gonna put into the business that we could spend on development, that we could do all these things, was gone, but that helped someone solve someone else. That's, that's, you know, close family member that, um, got into a really tough spot and the only thing that would solve it and money would solve it. And I had it. And because I had it, I could go spend that. And our relationship is stronger. Their health is stronger. There's just so many things that have come out of that. So again, not necessarily stock related, but, um, like that's, that's the, the biggest and best investment that I've made. So I think what's cool about that is that that's, that's another true example of why good people deserve to have money, right? Because good, because having that money, you can make meaningful impact with it and you can make change. And I'm, I'm happy for you that that was something. What I just want to make sure though, is that, and, and to say this to other people too, it's, 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 I think it's super important to help others and it makes a huge difference. Um, but one of the biggest things I had to learn is like, how am I supposed to love others if I don't love myself first? Yeah. It's the entire, when you're going down an airplane, if you can't put your own mask on, how are you supposed to put somebody else's? So it didn't sound like that by you doing that, it, it created any detriment to you. I think it just created opportunity and it, and it created valuable things. So I'm really, really glad. I just want to make sure that nobody makes decisions yes. that hurts themselves in exchange for somebody else. I think that you can do it in a mutually beneficial way. Um, and it's, it's one of the things that I've had to learn because I'm in a lot of therapy. Um, and because I, a lot of my life was focused on other people and I'm having to try to learn to shift, to take care and love myself so that I can actually even do better for other people. Um, and so it, it seems like you definitely have that strength there. So I'm glad that it, it was, <laughs> was good for you. And it's, it's cool to see, you know, that you made that positive impact on somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's a good point. You shouldn't give away if you don't have anything yourself. That's all, if that's all the money that I had in the world, then, you know, it's necessary. Or I had to go take out a loan to go do that. That's a different situation. So I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I could do that. So that's, you know, I, I appreciate you making that clarification and note. So 
Because last thing I want is people to just someone people start asking everyone for money and then no one has any because they don't right. have any, but they feel like they should give it away because they heard on a podcast. Right. I think it's it's moderation, right? It's yeah. it's just learning that it's it's the the beauty between integration of, of both of those things. Yeah. Um, and I still can't think of the best stock decision. So, that so, I you'd, so you'd ask, so you'd ask best investment. I'll say that mine is a duplex that I bought in Florida. So I lived in one side, the FHA loan on it. I put 10 grand after everything into it. That was all I put into it. And then it's cash flowed really nicely. And the way that real estate's gone up since I bought it, which at the time I thought it was already high, but it's just, gone up even more in Florida since 2017 when I made that purchase. So I would say that also gave me confidence one to leave. Cause I knew I had some income, even though I'm not touching that money. Um, but there's, I had some income coming in from a rental property. So I would say that's the best, best investment that I've. It is I've a good made. investment. That's smart. I like that. I think for me, mine would probably be like, if, if I were to say stock related, it's to open up and fund a Roth account every year. You Anybody can open up a, a Roth account and fund it up to $6,000 a year. And what a Roth allows you to do is it's specifically for retirement. So the concept is that you can grow money that you won't take out until your late 60s. Um, and the benefit of putting money into a specific retirement account just like that is that you can buy and sell stock within it and not get tax consequences from it. So... I can, there's no short-term or long-term taxes um, and it can grow tax-free. So it's a, I've been trying to just, because there's only so much that you can end up filling it up. Um, and especially like once, I, th- I believe it's like, once you get to like a certain salary or age, I should, I should know more on that. Um, I, I knew a salary. Before. Yeah. Salary, right? Yeah. Once you make a certain amount, you can't contribute to it anymore. Right. And so it's like for, people to be able to grow money um, basically without being taxed on it is an amazing thing. And it just, it allows you to think differently when it comes to investing. But just within that, I, I put my money into a few different ETFs and then some very specific companies that I truly believe in. So I, I put it into companies that are high dividend paying companies. And then I, I reinvest those dividends. So ones that I know will be strong and always innovate and that pay, basically pay their owners through dividends to own the stock. Um, and then when it reinvests, it's buying itself. I as well have some like growth stocks that I was excited about that I, I put money into. Um, and then it's, it's, a, it's just, it's trying to really diversify as, as much as possible. So I don't think there's any specific company that was like, this was a really good investment choice that I made. I think just, being in the market was a good start. Yeah. Um, so I'm the same way. I'm, I'm a buy and hold kind of guy. So yeah. I, it's hard to say like I made a bunch of money on stuff because it's all unrealized. But, you know, if that makes sense. Me Unrealized just meaning I haven't sold the stocks. I've just hung on to them and same thing. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You read Warren Buffett and some of these guys and unless you really want to dedicate all your time and energy to it, it's I'm more just hit hit, uh, you know, singles and do that over and over again versus go get that home run and try to time game stop and what's going on with, with all that. So. And I think that there's a, that strength in that long-term mentality, because then you never have to worry about timing the market. Any time's always the right time to buy. And if the market goes down, 
the stock market's the only thing that goes on sale and people don't buy. So the stock market goes down, then you get the benefit of buying something on sale. Um, like look over the, the, the entire life of the stock market. It's just, it's gone up. Yes, there's recessionary periods, yes. But it's why Warren Buffett says, I always keep some sort of stockpile of cash. So cash specifically for investing and then cash for an emergency fund. But when the stock market goes down, your best opportunity is to buy. It's not to sell. And so it's, it's most things in life, I think, are, are actually counterintuitive to how we live. Yeah. So. so, Aaron, on the flip side of that, what would you say is the dumbest money mistake that you've made? So stock-wise, Helios and Matheson. Basically, they were the owner of MoviePass. That was not me thinking in the long term. That was not me. That was me trying to catch a falling knife. Uh, I really, really believed in the idea of movie pass mm-hmm. because I loved the concept of unlimited movies. Um, but it was a not a good company. It was a failing business model. It had poor management. It was, while I believed in the idea, I realized, one, I also barely used the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought it was cooler than maybe it's like, is this, is this something that is good? Is this something for the long term? And so I just kept putting money into it and I put a bunch of money into one thing instead of diversifying and putting it into different areas. Um, and that's why for me, you know, I've, I've almost tried to stay out of it because like, I hope, I hope people did well and I hope that they did okay. But that's why the GameStop and the AMC thing scared me is it was more because of there was people who were putting everything into one or two companies. Yeah. And like, that's scary. Even if they're the greatest companies in the world, like it's, and just, make sure that you you're not spending every dollar that you have, that you're taking out loans just to get investing, that you're investing money that you don't have. Um, it's, it's investing should be about putting away money that you're willing to lose, but I mean, it's not the goal of it, but it's just like the fact that it's okay because the markets go down. If the markets go up, it's okay. You're in it for the long term, and to be able to diversify because the reality is, is like, would I want to own, an ice cream shop during the winter? No. But would I want to own an ice cream shop during the summer? Absolutely. Would I want to own a hot chocolate shop during the winter? Yes. That's diversification. It's yeah. There's different reasons to have money in different areas. Um, so I don't know. I'm passionate about it. I just tried to, I just know a lot of people are hurting and it, it was a, it just, so yeah, it's just hard to talk about. Yeah. And for context, we're recording this at the very beginning of February 2021. So at this point, it looks like GameStop has has cratered, but you know, we never never know um, in terms of context for anyone listening in in the future. So I think it was trading at four hundred and eighty dollars, and three days, four days, trading days later, it's now at fifty six. Yeah, it went up as much as it went down, and I mean, it's there's a whole. And there's that whole part about like the, the 
you know, the Robin hoods didn't have the liquidity to be able to make the trades happen. So people could only sell. But when you have a bunch of people who don't understand investing and are, or are new to it, mm-hmm. and the only thing they can do is sell, what do you think they're going to do? Panic and sell. And so it just, it's, it, it hurt a lot of people. Yeah. And I also think there's some interesting narratives there, right? It was like, we're going to go take down these big hedge funds was kind of like where the subreddit Wall Street bets kind of came from. But if you now there's articles coming out about all these hedge funds that also took the same side of the bet as the Redditors, right? So you still see hedge funds that are making money. And I think that's an interesting take as well is that like the hedge funds have no qualms taking down other hedge funds either. So, right. you know, the, the, the narrative retail investors versus hedge funds, it's more nuanced than that. So I, I think it's just the fact that it's, it's, people coming together to unite for a specific purpose who also just have felt that the industry has not been built for them. Yeah. That these people have an unfair advantage and they did. Yeah. Uh, And they, and I just, it needs, I'm hopeful that it changes. So yeah, but it's it's true. Crazy. (sighs) It is. It is. Well, Aaron, I want to I want to wrap up, but uh, I think the way that would be great to end this is we've talked about a lot of things, personal finance, Griffin, your story, your journey. Yeah. I'd love to know what does success look like for you when you define success for yourself, whether it's in the context of Griffin, finance, life, just in general, how do you define success? Personally, for me, success will be moderation. Um, I'm a pretty big extremist. So I will do one thing to the extreme one way or the other. And I believe that learning to slow down when I need to slow down will be really healthy. Um, And learning to just enjoy, love, live life. is going to be really important for me. So that is from a, maybe a definition of that success Mm -hmm. Uh, from a Griffin point of view. I wrote this down. I said, it would be really cool if Griffin became like a word in the dictionary. Like it was just something that people used like, yo, like awesome Griffin mentality or like Griffin is like a noun, like it's a, or it's an adjective or it's a verb. Like, yeah, uh, I think that just means it, it, we, we became such an integral part and a necessary part and a meaningful part of people's lives that they just use it. They use the Griffin name and and from a holistic overall point of view is I truly believe that what we're doing is going to make a difference and I'm really hopeful for it. And I, I think that success to me is, is knowing we've impacted a lot of people and that might sound like the cheesy answer, but it's, I think that the right companies can be successful for the right reasons. Um, and that you can make money and do well by bringing value to other people. And so that's just like, yeah. I, I think that would be cool. What about you? What, what about ostrich? What's success? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think success for us is um, having similar to what you talked about. It's, it's having a global impact, right? So focused a lot on the US right now in terms of inequality, but I think that's where the biggest opportunity is, is being able to um, 
break down some of the inequality that exists, right? If imagine if everyone understood how credit scores or things like that worked, wouldn't that be better for the entire industry, right? You get rid of predatory lending, you get rid of all these things, and you have more established people with money that have credibility that or have credit that can that can do things and buy things and create things and just the amount of human capital potential that would be unlocked, right? If you didn't have people wearing, as you mentioned earlier, stress, families would stop falling. In certain cases, some families would stop falling apart that fall apart because of money. Um, like there's just so many things beyond the money, like the money aspect of it. And I think for me, that's what that's what success looks like is ostrich playing a role in that and bringing us to a more equal society um, and making it where finance isn't something that's scary to talk about or you know, all these esoteric things that you need to understand, right? Like it, it, it just makes sense, um, in the context of people's lives. So when's the, uh, so when's the Griffin ostrich, uh, partnership? We're, we're working on it right now. Yeah. We, we, we got to make the t-shirts. I want to have like the Griffin and then just a big picture of an ostrich. There we go. That's, that's our merch line and, and we'll donate to good causes. There we but, go. I love uh, it. <laughs> you want it? So I don't know if maybe you'll, you'll find this cool or not, but this will be the first time I'm actually saying it out loud. Do you want to hear like the Griffin manifesto, the why we're here, the, what we're. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So this was like three in the morning, just a thought, like just finally being able after years, being able to just write out like, here's, here's what the hope is. And, and so maybe, maybe this is what success is. Um, so Griffin manifesto. Uh, our, our concept is like the new way to invest is you. Imagine a world where there is no such thing as a customer or shareholder. Everyone is just an owner. A society where all individuals have a stake in the public brands they interact with, where people have the power to enact change, voice their opinions, and receive benefits from the companies they own, moving influence from the few to the masses. A world where investing is not something that has to be taught or thought of. It is not a have to or should be. It just is an integral and necessary part of life that happens automatically and everywhere. Every swipe, click, and scan adds another piece to the pie, where life's greatest moments turn into investments, shares become shareable, and stocks become stories. The world is here. The word is Griffin. The greatest revolution in finance is now. I like that. I like that a lot. So now, now we need the ostrich one. There we go. Yeah. I think I might've started off with the manifesto and then we worked backwards into the business, but um, <laughs> we probably need to, we probably need to update that to be honest. So I've, I've got some thoughts, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely aligned in, in the overall, you know, mission and kind of vision for the future. So. I'm excited, man. I think, I think we can do good things. I do too. So Aaron, I want to leave you with the last word. You you kind of, you, you might already be done after that manifesto was read, but uh, I want to leave you with the last word. And then I also want to make sure that people know where they can come support you, download Griffin, support Griffin, um, all that good stuff. I think the last word is that too many times in life, we believe that what we love to do and what makes us money have to be different things. And there's a really unique opportunity to create so much now. Um, and if you can, if you, ha- if you have the opportunity, go take that risk, go take that jump and just know there's a lot of people there who support you are willing to help you and that 
advice will be there. Um, no, like that, even I would, like, I just love the fact of people wanting to create something and make that change. So at any time, feel free to reach out to me. Um, from a Griffin point of view, our whole thing now is like, we're just trying to tell the world about what we're doing. Um, it would be really meaningful to, if, you know, anybody listening to this downloads our app, gives us feedback, there's a chat bot in there. We would love to hear your thoughts on it. We would love to have you be a part of you know, our revolution, our story, um, and to just spread the word, any way to post about us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, tell your friends about it, refer it. Um, I, I think just us right now, the reality is, is that we lose money. We don't make money um, to make this work, but the more people that we have and the more traction that we get, um, the more money than we can raise so that we can give more people access to it. So any way to help on that growth um, would mean the world follow us, interact with us, download the app. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's, that's all I can really ask for. Awesome. Yeah. And is it just at Griffin or what's the, do you have social handles? I can, I'll link to all this in the show notes, but yeah. So it's just at Griffin app um, is basically all of our social. And then if you just go to what either Griffin.com or search Griffin in the app store, then you can, get the app. Awesome. Well, Aaron, this was a ton of fun. I really appreciate you sitting down and uh, sharing your story, getting a little vulnerable on the finance side and um, sharing your wisdom and journey with, with everyone here. So thank you for inviting me and being a part of it. This was very interesting. (laughs) We went through all different directions on this. We did. Yeah. It was not a, it was a winding path. I'm a a big talker. So I'm learning. But I, I appreciate you and I appreciate your, your good questions and your engagement and making this fun. So this definitely made my day. On your way out, please share the podcast with others. This is the only way the community grows and others hear these incredible stories from entrepreneurs. So go ahead and pound that subscribe button as well if you have not already and turn on notifications. I take pride in telling a mix of stories that have never been told in addition to the notable names you know and love. So please do your friends and family a favor and share Silicon Alley today. I'm William Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich, and of course, your host of the Silicon Alley Podcast. Have a profitable day, everyone. You got no time to waste, but still you hesitate. Caught in a circle saying I'm